Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello and welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. Delighted to have you with me today. I hope you haven't pulled a fire alarm. <laughs> Phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Happy to have you. Let me just go on and play it. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez defending Jamal Bowman. He is one of the uh, squad. He's the male member of the squad who pulled the fire alarm over the weekend in Congress. I think if you actually do see some of the photos of the signs, I think there's there's something to be said about the government's about to shut down. There's a vote clock that's going down. The exits that are normally open in that building were suddenly closed. He so pulled the fire alarm. So I'm, I'm, but they're fire, uh, filing a motion of to expel a member who, in a moment of panic, was trying to escape a vestibule. Give me a break. And so the idea that there is somehow any kind of equivalence to someone who is actively trying to clear up a situation that he himself admits he's embarrassed. He released a statement last night. He apologized. Right, right, right. I need to paint a bigger picture for you over what Jamal Bowman did than just the man pulled a fire alarm. First of all, you should know Jamal Bowman, the Democratic member of Congress who pulled a fire alarm in the Cannon office building. He was a high school principal for years. How many times... Do you think Jamal Bowman handled fire drills in his high school where he was the principal? What's remarkable to me is the white paternalistic racism of the progressives defending him that, oh, this black man was too stupid to know pulling a fire alarm would set off a fire alarm. This former high school principal wasn't smart enough to know that. He was panicked. He was confused by the signs. He was confronted with a door that had a push bar and said, uh, push in, wait three seconds, alarm will sound and door will open. And his excuse is that instead he turned to his left, walked forward, and pulled down a fire alarm, thinking if I pull down the fire alarm, that that is what will open the doors. He's a former high school principal who apparently did not recognize the push-in bar on the door that you pushed in to open the door. That's that's the excuse. That's the excuse we're going with uh, there for this member of Congress that he was too stupid to know, was confused. And by the way, there's a, a question as to whether or not the signage that has been displayed by members of Congress on his side suggesting he was confused that that actually was the sign at that door. Did you know? that there is an underground tunnel that connects the Cannon office building to the House of Representatives. You can bypass the outside, the crowds, the noise. 
You get in the tunnel, you walk straight to the house, you're a member of Congress, you wear a pin, you get whisked in, and there you go. And somehow he decided to go to locked doors and pull a fire alarm, and we're supposed to believe it. There's a larger issue at stake here, and I need to take you back. When progressive activists invaded the Washington State Capitol, or Wisconsin State Capitol, rather, smashing windows in some cases, to get inside and barricade themselves in to stop the Wisconsin legislature from voting for right-to-work legislation in Wisconsin, Democrats defended them. Nancy Pelosi cheered on the protesters. It was an act of democracy for these protesters to storm the Wisconsin state capitol to shut down the legislature. When progressive activists stormed the Texas state capitol to stop pro-life legislation from being voted on, Democrats nationwide cheered them on. They started wearing coat hanger earrings in solidarity with the abortion rights protesters. They ran Wendy Davis in her pink shoes. They ran her for the Senate. They ran her for governor. They ran her for Congress. She lost repeatedly. Now she's in charge of Planned Parenthood. They made her a feminist icon. They put her on the cover of magazines. They cheered on the activists blockading the state legislature in Texas claiming that this was an act of democracy. Just recently, this past year, they did it again when protesters stormed the Tennessee legislature to try to try to prevent them from voting to protest gun control. They were lionized by not just the Democrats, but by the very same media that condemned every single person who walked into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. The difference between them, if you listen to members of the media and the Democratic Party, is that these were state capitals. But January 6th happened to the United States Congress, that august body, that temple of democracy, that these Trump protesters engaged in an insurrection to try to stop the Congress of the United States of America. And that means something far and above these little state legislatures. On Saturday, Jamal Bowman, a former high school principal who conducted fire alarms for his school, Jamal Bowman, decided that he would pull a fire alarm in the Cannon House office building to buy time for the Democrats who needed to study the continuing resolution legislation. The Democrats felt rushed. They were complaining that they weren't given 72 hours to read the legislation. This from a party who was presided over by Nancy Pelosi, who said you had to pass legislation to find out what was in legislation. Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm and now says, oh, it was an accident. I was confused. What's remarkable are the number of white progressives who have come out who say January 6th was very bad, who say, oh, totally plausible. He was confused by the sign on the door suggesting if you push in the door handle, the alarm will sign. And so clearly he was confused and thought if he pulled down the fire alarm, that wouldn't do anything. It's utterly implausible. 
And yet with a straight face, the same people who bellyache about January 6th are totally buying it, which tells you everything you need to know about the level of commentary on January 6th that comes from the Democrats and the media. I actually believe what happened on January 6th was not good. But it's very clear that members of the media and Democrats together would be fine with what happened on January 6th if it was the Democrats doing it. You've either got to be intellectually honest or you're intellectually dishonest. Is it any wonder that there are a lot of Trump supporters and other Republicans who think that they should just engage in the same tactics the left does? But you and I both know if a Republican were to pull the fire alarm, he'd be vilified by these Democrats. It's just another insurrectionist, another another MAGA Trump supporting insurrectionist trying to slow down Congress. You watch, you watch. This is going to happen. When the Democrats take back Congress and they try to rush something through, a Republican member of Congress is going to pull the fire alarm. And the Democrats and the media are going to vilify him, and it'll just be doing what Jamal Bowman did. They'll come out and say, I was confused by the signage. I didn't mean it. It was an accident. They won't believe it. They won't buy it. You know darn well that's going to happen. You know it's going to happen, and you know the Democratic response. And what they will say at the time was, well, Jamal Bowman made it clear. How could you not figure it out? And you'll say, I, I, I didn't even remember the incident. They'll not believe it. Precedent matters. I say this all the time, but for you Democrats who might be listening, you don't get January 6th and people rioting into the Capitol. And by the way, it wasn't an insurrection. I've never used the phrase insurrection except to point out that's what the left says. It was not an insurrection. It was a riot. It got out of hand. There were some people who meant ill, but the overwhelming majority of them did not. It was a riot that got out of hand. It was an incursion into the Capitol, not an insurrection. But the left defines the standards. The media echoes the standards of the left. They call it an insurrection. It wasn't an insurrection. It was a riot that got out of hand. And many of the people who will be mad at me for not accepting that it was an insurrection will defend Jamal Bowman and claim, oh, well, he said it was an accident. It must be an accident. There is a level of white progressive racism involved here, too, that this black man is just too stupid to know that pulling a fire alarm will set off a fire alarm. He, he's too stupid to know that. It's going to happen more now unless the Democrats repudiate him, and they're not going to. You've got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez defending the guy. Saying he was so stupid he didn't know. He just he was confused by the signs. This is a member of Congress. He must be the stupidest member of Congress. And he happens to be a progressive squad member, which should tell you everything. We would not have had the incursion into the Capitol on January 6th had we not had what happened in Austin, Texas, in Madison, Wisconsin. And Democrats cheered those on. Democrats were perfectly happy to see those mobs storm into those state capitals to stop things Democrats didn't want to happen. Nancy Pelosi herself defended them. Democrats fundraised for them. 
And this is what happens. Republicans take the precedent and run with it. They saw the riots on Inauguration Day when Donald Trump became president, the people throwing Molotov cocktails, protesting that crazy woman on the ground screaming no. All the Republicans did is they learned from the Democrats. You, you, I, I, I'm not trying to be flippant here. You would not have had what happened on January 6th had you not had Democrats on multiple occasions storm state capitals around the country trying to shut down those. The Republicans learned by watching the Democrats, and the Democrats said those were acceptable. So, of course, it was acceptable to a lot of Republicans to do what the Democrats did, and they just took it a step further. That's the point of the precedent. The next time, it goes just a step further, and then the next time, it goes another step forward. If Donald Trump gets elected... In November of 2024, you will see Democrats doing something similar to try to stop the Electoral College. And remember, they showed up in state capitals when Donald Trump was elected to try to harass Electoral College members and get them to change their minds. Pulling the fire alarm once, they're going to do more. Republicans will take it to the next level. At some point, someone might just start a fire. There's no intellectual honesty in how the left is handling this. There's dripping paternalism and racism from the progressives claiming that this former high school principal is too stupid to know what happens when you fire, um, pull a fire alarm. And what's remarkable is how many members of the American press are willing to buy the notion. Friends, there's a tunnel that connects the Cannon House office building to the Capitol. He wasn't trapped in a vestibule. There was a way out, and he knew how to get out. The more remarkable aspect of this is how people are humoring him. Now, by the way, it's fair to say some members of Congress do like to walk across the street when the weather's good, and the weather was apparently good. But they also know not to push down a fire alarm in a building. It's remarkable watching so many people defend this man. When they claimed January 6th was an insurrection because those people stormed the Congress hoping to stop the Congress, Jamal Bowman was trying to slow down Congress. Was this not an insurrection? Apparently it's not when Democrats do it. That's the problem here. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, except the media and the Democrats hold Republicans to a completely different standard that lacks any intellectual honesty, which means we're going to get a lot more pulled fire alarms and probably one day an actual fire in Congress to slow down the workings of Congress, and no one will complain if the person lighting the match has a D next to their name. That's the rule. Guys, if you're a small, mid-sized business, you're struggling with HR issues, you have employees not showing up, or you got to do a termination, you need onboarding of employees, maybe there's a sexual harassment complaint, you want an HR manager. You don't want to be the bad guy with your employees. Bambi can play the role of HR for you. $99 a month, available by phone, email, real-time chat. They do onboardings, terminations. They help your team members get to peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations regardless of which state. They're great. Now, they're U.S.-based. They, you got somebody to talk to who's dedicated to your team. They give you access to HR expertise, and they add personal touches. So even though they're outsourced by your company, they really feel like they're a part of your team. That matters. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast. When you sign up, it'll help my show. Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, Eric Erickson in the podcast tab. 
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number 877-973-7425. Need to bring you up to speed on a story out of Virginia. If you remember the, the situation uh, in the Loudoun County public school system, the uh, school system had a parent whose child was sexually assaulted by a transgender student. And it turned out that one of the school teachers as well had been sexually assaulted by a special needs student. The teacher who was assaulted by the special needs student um, reached out to someone to raise awareness to the school board that this was happening after it fell on deaf ears inside the school. And the school superintendent, once this teacher uh, notified the public about the sexual assaults happening in her classroom, fired the teacher. The Loudoun County Public School Superintendent Scott Ziegler has been found guilty of using his position to retaliate against the teacher for cooperating um, with the grand jury investigation into how the jury handled sexual assault. The teacher went to a grand jury to testify. Essentially, this teacher was a special needs teacher and had a student who was trying to grab her private parts. And the school system offered to give her cardboard to put in front of her private parts called no-no hands, that's what they would call them, or dog grooming aprons to make it more difficult for the child to get his hands there. She filed a complaint and was also subpoenaed to testify before a grand jury and got fired because of it. Uh, and the school superintendent's now been found guilty of uh, retaliating against her. Um, this is the same school superintendent who also got the father in trouble for calling out the sexual assault on the dad's daughter by a transgender student. Good gracious, the cleanup of the schools in Virginia continues thanks to Glenn Youngkin and um, the attorney general there as well. Gracious. Now, I got to tell you, uh, one of the groups out there that's fighting against woke school boards is Patriot Mobile. In fact, they've gotten attacked repeatedly by the left for being so successful in helping conservative parents take over local school boards around the country. They do it by growing their profits and then giving their profits to the conservative causes you care about. All you have to do is take your business to Patriot Mobile. Move your cell phone service to Patriot Mobile. You get a brand new phone number from them or use your existing phone number, either one. You can get a brand new phone from them or bring over your phone if it's unlocked and not carrier locked. You, in fact, use the same cell towers you are probably already using with your current cell phone provider. It's patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. You get 100% U.S.-based customer service if you call. If you talk to them, you can tell them I sent you, and you get free activation with my name. It's patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Do business with a company that shares your values and funds the causes you care about within the conservative movement. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. All right, I, I gotta, I'll get to the shutdown. I will, I just, I got no impulse control on this one. I, I gotta, I gotta talk about this. The topic that I don't want to talk about, and I'm going to preempt everything I want to talk about to talk about it, because I guess I do want to talk about it at this point. Y'all, I, 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 
if Taylor Swift and Deion Sanders started a relationship, we would have the singularity. It, it is remarkable within sports media. So Deion Sanders, the, the, the famous player, becomes the coach. Uh, he goes to, to Colorado and has all the buzz, all the big buzz, and then loses. And suddenly everybody turns and there's Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's everywhere. Even the NFL, for Pete's sake, its Twitter profile page now, its masthead picture is Taylor Swift reaction shots from football games. Now, last night, uh, Kansas City Chiefs played the Jets. The Jets were not favored in any way, shape, or form. And yet, it was a three-point game. It was close, closer than it should have been. There were several bad passes made uh, by Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, uh, one of which was to Travis Kelsey, who wasn't in position to catch it. And the media is already today saying, is Kansas City cursed by Taylor Swift? Is Taylor Swift a distraction from for Travis Kelsey? You know, the, the the level of this this isn't even I, I I see somebody online saying I can't believe conservatives are complaining about Taylor Swift. I've been to five concerts in my life. Three of them are Taylor Swift. I, I I'm perfectly fine with Taylor Swift. This isn't a political point. This is a point about the media obsessiveness with covering these sorts of things. And in fact, it's football season and more sports media coverage is about Taylor Swift dating a football player than about the freaking games. How shallow and vapid we are, and and largely here's what it is. Taylor Swift is probably the most famous woman on the planet now that Queen Elizabeth II is dead. And the only reason Queen Elizabeth II was more famous and, and recognizable than Taylor Swift was because she was on the coins of about half the planet. People could look at their coin and say, oh, I recognize that lady. With Taylor Swift, you got to know something about the music, and she's still probably the most recognizable face on planet Earth. So it's obvious that sports media, which wants ratings, particularly for football ratings, after the, the Kaepernick take a knee nonsense, they're trying to cash in on Taylor Swift's celebrity and fame by dating a football star. The downside of it is it does such a disservice to actual coverage of the football games by making it all about Taylor Swift. It was somewhat insufferable last night trying to watch that game, and every time there was a reaction shot, you knew exactly who it was going to go to. It's funny at the same time, but, I mean, talk about glomming on to a celebrity. It's not her fault, by the way. It is not Taylor Swift's fault. This isn't an indictment on Taylor Swift. It's a damning indictment on the American media that is so celebrity-obsessed. Every time they get a moment to cash in on celebrity, they do. It was Deion Sanders and with college football until his team turned out not to be doing as well as everyone expected it to do in the last couple of weeks. And now there's been this massive pivot to all the people who were talking about Deion Sanders now talking about Taylor Swift. I do swear to you people, if the two of them got together, uh, you would have the media singularity. It would collapse in on itself. What a remarkably vapid and shallow press we have. And by the way, I, I don't actually believe that the American people are as vapid and shallow, but can become so when the press reflects that level of vapidness. Um, it, it's it's the press flowing into culture doing that. It's just absolutely bizarre to me, the obsession with the sports press with a singer. 
she's not on the football team, guys. And Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift can date or not date, whatever they prefer. But I guarantee you that this coming week, after that Jets-Kansas City game, we're going to have obsessive media coverage on whether or not Taylor Swift is a curse to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, given how close that game was and it should have been a blowout. Okay. Now I can move on to everything else that I wanted to talk about because I've got that off my chest. And that needed to be said because it's just remarkable to watch the coverage of it. And, and the fact that the NFL uh, on their their Twitter page has just nonstop Taylor Swift reaction shots. They're trying to to bask in her glory. She has boosted the attention. Uh, I've got my, my friend Abby, who, who may be listening right now, she's been on Instagram doing ex- football. She's an obsessive football fan. Uh, Abby is a Taylor Swift fan and legitimately a football fan. And she's been on Instagram and her stories explaining football to Swifty. So when they watch the game to get their glimpse of their precious idol, they will be able to understand at least what they're watching. Oh boy. Okay. Let's get to the shutdown. Shall we? Well, we avoided the shutdown. I wasn't sure we could. I wasn't sure we would. And now it's led to this. Matt Gates from Florida wants to throw out Kevin McCarthy. That's joined together to do what is right. If somebody wants to make a motion against me, bring it. There has to be an adult in the room. That's Kevin McCarthy's response and Matt Gates saying he will bring uh, a, a motion to oust the speaker to vacate the chair. And that... Kevin McCarthy says there needs to be an adult in the room. I got to explain this one to you because they're sure. Listen, I understand the way this works. I've been around long enough. People claim principle in policy, but really like to latch on to personality. And when they've adopted a personality, they are hard-pressed to acknowledge that personality has done something wrong. We are, all of us, guilty of that. The Matt Gates fanboys who just wanted a shutdown can't acknowledge what actually happened. The House Republicans had a plan, and the plan was agreed to by all of the House Republicans. That plan would have started their negotiations with the Senate for this continuing resolution with an 8% cut of the budget, except in uh, defense and uh, in veterans affairs. So you'd have had basically 1% uh, to every division of the government, but for defense and veterans affairs, that would amount to an 8% budget cut. That was their starting position. They viewed the continuing resolution as a negotiation with the Senate, and their starting point was 8% cuts. What starting at 8% meant is they would not get 8%, and let's not kid ourselves, they would never have gotten an 8% cut from Senate Democrats. But what they could have done is draw a line in the sand and say, we started it at 8 and you want growth. We're either going to have nothing or we're going to have some cuts. So there will either be no growth of government or there will be some cuts. That was their opening position. But Matt Gates hates Kevin McCarthy. He denies that it's personal and everybody knows it's personal. Nobody quite understands what it's about. And Matt Gates scuttled cuts, scuttled contemplation of cuts. In fact, 
because of what Matt Gates did, we're probably going to grow government. In fact, we are growing government. They added money to the federal budget for disaster relief, growing government. Now, Matt Gates' supporters say, well, he didn't want to fund Ukraine. The original plan didn't fund Ukraine. Matt Gates' supporters say, well, he wanted budget security. The original plan had border security. Everything Matt Gates said he wanted was in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth iterations of this plan. They were not going to fund Ukraine, and they were going to fund the border, the things Gates said he wanted. Instead, what was the result of Matt Gates deciding it was more important to oust Kevin McCarthy? They get no budget cuts, no negotiation for budget cuts, no border funding, no Ukraine funding, and they spend $16 billion more than we have in order for additional disaster relief. That, that's what Matt Gates got us. He says it's not personal. He says there's no animus. Nobody believes him. Matt Gates says he's for smaller government. He has a kernel of truth in what he says. It's the right message from the wrong messenger. Matt Gates is right. We should not continue to fund the government with continuing resolutions. But he's wrong in how he destroyed the opportunity to cut government. The plan that House conservatives got every... And this, by the way, it's a remarkable feat. The House Freedom Caucus was able to get the moderates, the liberals, the mainstream, the leadership, all the wings of the Republican Party in the House... They were able to get them to agree to 8% cut in the budget. The House Freedom Caucus got everybody else to agree to an 8% budget cut, but Matt Gates sabotaged it because he wants to set up a plan to oust the Speaker. So here's how Matt Gates wants to oust the Speaker. The Speaker had to rely on Democrats to get his continuing resolution through. He lost 90 Republicans. So now Gates says, well, Kevin McCarthy promised he would never do that, so we need to oust him. He set it up for either the government to shut down or for McCarthy to have to rely on Democrats. I told you people last week what was going to happen, that what Gates was doing was forcing Republicans to side with Democrats, and that would force the growth of government. That's what Matt Gates did all to nurse his agenda and vendetta against uh, Kevin McCarthy. He orchestrated a plan whereby the only way to keep the government open was for the Republicans to go along with the Democrats and sabotage their opening negotiation of budget cuts. Now, there are those of you, and by the way, you should know, I'm a big fan of government shutdowns. I love a government shutdown. I get all the, oh, it's just not fair. People aren't going to get their paycheck and work for the government. Oh, the military's going to have to work without money. They're going to reopen it eventually and do back pay. I'm not sympathetic to the argument. We got to draw land in the sand. We got to shut it down. I'm fine with the shutdown, but here's the problem with the Matt Gates shutdown is he had no plan. It was just shut down the government and find a way to reopen it. There were six Republicans who had six competing ideas, none of which could get a majority support in the caucus. Literally, Matt Gates's plan was either shut down the government or have Kevin McCarthy work with Democrats and we'll discredit him. What was his shutdown? How was he going to get it back open? He literally had no plan. He had no proposal that even the conservative members of the House would agree to. So, of course, the Republicans and the Democrats worked to keep the government open. I'm a big fan of government shutdowns, but every government shutdown has had a plan and a purpose. They didn't always work. The government shutdown over Obamacare was designed to, we're going to keep it closed until we repeal Obamacare. And Republicans and Democrats conspired together to reopen it and not kill Obamacare. 
but it was a plan. You may not like the plan. You may have thought it was foolhardy, but there was an articulated plan. We're going to keep it shut down until they do this. The 2011-12 shutdown was about uh, sequestration. We're going to keep it shut down until you agree to real-world cuts of government. And it worked. They got real-world cuts in government called sequestration. It worked, and they reopened government. This one was literally, we're going to shut down the government until Kevin McCarthy works with the Democrats to reopen it, and then we're going to oust McCarthy. That was it. Really? That's a stupid plan. That does nothing but nurse a grudge against Kevin McCarthy. And so what is the result? Republicans and Democrats now have 45 days to negotiate a larger plan to fund the government for the next year, and spending cuts will not be part of it thanks to Matt Gates and his personal grievance against Kevin McCarthy. Yes, Matt Gates owns the growth in government because Republicans agreed to start negotiations at an 8% cut until Gates decided because he hates McCarthy so much he would scuttle it to try to oust McCarthy. He's probably now grown government and can't oust McCarthy because I don't think he has the votes to do it. He may be a smart guy, but he's a blithering idiot when it comes to this strategy. Now, I got to tell you about Americans for Prosperity. They, my friends, are fighting against the growth in government. They're actually fighting at the state level around the country to stop the growth in government, to stop binomics and reignite the American dream, and to teach governments how to do it through deregulation. Now, here's what you do. You go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. And you sign up. they got over 4 million volunteers already. They teach you how to knock on doors to persuade your next-door neighbor that free markets and free people and deregulation is a good thing. They teach you how to go to your state legislature and make the case and to your local school board and local county and city government. They're a do tank, not a think tank. They don't trade white papers in Washington, D.C. and twiddle their thumbs. They get their hands dirty in the states in the fight for free markets and free people. They want you on their team. You should consider it. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K today. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. If you're in charge of a business, and you need $250,000 or more to buy a building, build a building, buy a franchise, buy out a business partner or competitor, things like that, see if First Liberty can help you. FirstLibertyGA.com, that's their website, has all their contact info. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're fit for you. See if you're fit for them. So I don't know if you've heard, Gavin Newsom has now appointed someone to replace Dianne Feinstein. He did that quick. Uh, LaFonza Butler. Now, there are a couple of things you need to know. Apparently, no one in California was qualified to be California's next senator. LaFonza Butler is a resident of Maryland. She's the head of EMILY's List, the national abortion uh, group. So this is about getting one of the biggest abortion fundraising groups in Gavin Newsom's pocket for when he decides to run for president. He wants them on his side early. This was what this move is. But LaFonza Butler is a resident of Maryland. She pays taxes in Maryland. She, um, I believe, is a registered voter in Maryland. The Constitution says to be in the Senate, you got to be 30 and a resident of the state you want to reside over. I, I'm, I think someone should challenge this. In all honesty, someone should file suit against this. 
LaFonza Butler is a resident of Maryland. Uh, Emily's List lists her as a resident of Maryland. Her FEC disclosures for donations lists her as a resident of Maryland. All of these things list her as a resident of Maryland where she resides and pays property taxes. Uh, someone should challenge this. But there are two aspects. The two aspects you need to pay attention to, to Gavin Newsom appointing LaFonza Butler, the head of Emily's List, the pro-abortion fundraising group. One is he's trying to get Emily's List, a powerful constituency within the Democratic Party, on his side for his presidential bid for 2028. He wants her on his side, ASAP. He wants that money coming in the door now to fund his causes. That is why he picked this woman to keep Dianne Feinstein's seat warm. Also, you should note he was willing, so desperate in fact, to get Emily's list on his side immediately that he picked a woman who resides in the state of Maryland to be California's senator. So the people of California, there were plenty of, I'm sure, qualified choices, including, for example, Nancy Pelosi, who could have gone to the U.S. Senate and served out the remainder of Dianne Feinstein's term. Uh, But nope, he decided to pick a Maryland resident who pays taxes in Maryland, who is listed on FEC forums and on her own uh, bio page and Emily's list as being from Maryland. And now, of course, Emily's list is deleting all of those references. They're memory-holing her residency. Uh, so that she can claim to be from California. Someone should file a lawsuit and contest this, but I don't know that anyone will. Nonetheless, this is a savvy move by Gavin Newsom. Actually, LaFonza Butler being nominated or, or put in the Senate by Gavin Newsom is a savvy move on his part because Emily's List is one of the largest fundraising groups on the Democratic Party side that immediately puts Emily's List into his corner when he decides he actually is going to run for president in 2028 unless, well, Joe Biden does something and decides not to run. But Democrats increasingly are coming to terms with the fact there's no plan B. Joe Biden's going to run for president, and they're starting to despair internally over this.